Welcome to a special edition of What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, recorded during our 2019 Global Summit in Hong Kong, Brian Ezel and Melissa Marsh explain how artificial intelligence and technology drives real insights for corporate occupiers. Hello from the 2019 Cornet APAC Summit in Hong Kong. I am Brian Ezel, Corporate Managing Director with Savills, Global Real Estate Professional Services Firm. Today I spoke about AI and technology and how it's driving real insights and value for corporate occupiers. Had a great audience and we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the platform um, Knowledge Cubed that is partnered with the Loverton uh, AI lease abstraction software. Uh, excited to have uh, Melissa Marsh here with me as well. Hi, Brian. I'm Melissa. I'm founder and executive director of Plastark. We're a social research and people analytics organization. I'm also senior managing director of Occupant Experience at Savile Studley. Um, Occupant Experience is our own brand of workplace strategy, really helping people focus on the occupant experience, why we have buildings to begin with. And what I was speaking about today was activity-based working and the way that mobile technology can bring uh, an opportunity to um, leverage those environments um, and increase adoption through technology platforms. I had the benefit of uh, being on a panel with folks from, Crit from Swiss Re, from Comfy, and from Ericsson. We had a really great conversation. I also got to attend your program um, which was a pleasure. And um, one of the things that I noticed uh, was an interesting conversation around structured versus unstructured data. Um, real estate has maybe been a little bit more of an analog discipline for quite a while, um, and that leaves us with quite a bit of unstructured data. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what you see as that um, opportunity um, and what are some of the ways that the data is becoming more structured or more legible from a machine uh, perspective? Absolutely. So the session today was great to get feedback from the attendees of, of the Cornet Summit here in Hong Kong. Um, you know, understanding that structured data is, is so incredibly important to our industry, but it's been a bit neglected for uh, a long time where it's either sat in, in uh, static files or kept in spreadsheets. Um, our industry has slowly moved to, to getting it into a structured format via traditional lease abstraction, um, but it just takes a lot of human capital, and that's been one of the challenges in our industry is that uh, we have, haven't adopted structured data because of the complexity of the data uh, in its raw format. So looking at the, the AI partners uh, available to us in, in this disruptive technology era we're in, um, understanding that we can reduce that human capital time and leverage computers for their artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities to start to augment and assist us with getting data in a structured format uh, has really been eye-opening for, for us and for the attendees here that I've spoken with. Um, getting that data into a structured format really allows us to use our human skill sets to analyze and understand the data and focus on bringing the best insights forward instead of focusing on just getting the data out of the document to begin with. So excited to uh, see our industry really adopting that and moving forward with um, a renewed focus on structured data. Uh, so as it relates to people analytics in, in your space, Melissa, um, I understand there's a similar situation. So can you tell me a bit more about the use of structured data and how it would apply there? 
Yeah, first, Brian, I like your point that the best combination is people and machines working together um, so that maybe we can get the, uh, the machines and the technology doing the things that are inefficient for us to do uh, as humans, and we can uh, focus our human talents on some of the unique capabilities that we have, um, whether that be empathy or otherwise. Um, you do mention uh, structured versus unstructured data, which, which really means uh, sort of in layperson's terms, um, whether that data is assembled in a way that can be read by a machine or if it needs to be translated uh, by a person or cleaned uh, before it can be uh, understood from a, from a machine perspective. Um, and the, the world of workplace is, is, is rampant maybe or overflowing uh, with the different ways that that's changing. Um, it might be uh, thinking about how uh, the front desk uh, entry, uh, which maybe was uh, writing your name on a piece of paper um, that might never be looked at again, um, and that, that interface at the front desk of a building um, is no longer not just analog, uh, it's digitized in an information perspective, but then you're maybe being uh, welcomed by a kiosk or an iPad, uh, or we've got robots here um, on the on the floor at uh, at Cornet in Hong Kong. Um, so really, the idea that both the um, digital aspect um, that allows us to then have structured data on the back end and the user experience are increasing at the same time, um, and that was one of the topics of our panel discussion. Um, back. Back to you, Brian. Um, I noticed um, in the conversation uh, that you held earlier today that um, you know one of one of the really neat features of the Leverton um, product is that it's um, it's really using some machine learning to read uh, leases and to turn um, that paper-based or PDF uh, information into something that is searchable, editable, analyzable. Um, even interpreted uh, across multiple languages, which is exciting to hear. Um, you know, as we're as we're halfway around the world, uh, getting to see a lease translated from Chinese into French um, was pretty exciting um, this morning. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about what are the kinds of things that are going on behind the scenes or in that? Um, machine learning or artificial intelligence capacity, um, either with the Leverton product or some of the things that you're building on top of it at Savils? Absolutely. So as, as I think most people in our industry know, that, that base level uh, corporate real estate and commercial real estate data is, is all very different. Um, the, the beauty of a tool like Leverton and AI enabling uh, the consumption of that data is that once we start to tell the computer and the machine within or behind the scenes, what we're looking for, most commonly, it begins to remember those things. So just imagine, you know, you're bringing a, a lease administrator or a, a, data, a data analyst on board and you have to train them over many months or years. This system is able to learn with just a few clicks um, and it already has built-in logic for generic use cases. So as we're in our specific uh, industry segments or our specific client implementations of tools like this, it will begin to understand what we're looking for and learn from uh, how we've corrected it, just like, just like a person would. Um, this still requires a person to come in and look and see what it has output and to help, uh, help the system understand where to output that structure to. But the, the final product of being able to 
have structured data out of the system across multiple segments of, of industry, geography, uh, language, um, and asset class is, is the beauty, again, of the system having one structured output that we can begin to leverage in the data analytics platforms that are becoming very common in, uh, in our industry, both within organizations and from service providers. Um, Savills has taken the ability of uh, the outputs of the Leverton system um, and allowed us to focus on bringing in additional data sets that support the baseline data instead of having to only focus on uh, on the baseline data itself. So that's really been what's happening uh, behind the scenes and what is allowing us to focus more on adding the most value we can with additional um, robust data sets. So and that's the product that you're building in, in Knowledge Cube that allows you to take the lease abstraction as the starting point and then layer different uh, functionality or information points on top of that, whether that might be um, how clients are utilizing their space or some of the operational costs. You, there's really kind of a, a panoply or cornucopia of different uh, things that you can layer on top of that, correct? Absolutely, and that's the beauty of, of partnerships like, uh, like working together with lease data and workplace and workspace data, labor analytics and market data. That's all kind of been secondary for most portfolio analytic exercises, and now that's becoming the most important part of helping us make better decisions with data to support um, our baseline portfolio analysis. So I, I would ask you then, Melissa, just like leases, what are the things that used to be analog or difficult to digitize that are now becoming usable data sets for workplace? Right. Well, I already talked about that front desk uh, check-in experience, but I think that you could uh, extend that, as we might say, from curb to cube um, or from uh, the beginning of the day to the end of the day in the world of workplace. Um, and that really is every transaction or interaction that a person used to have with their building um, or with features of their building is moving from analog to digital. So whether that is about the um, adjusting the thermostat, which might have been uh, sliding a lever from left to right uh, formerly, uh, and now you can, uh, with your colleagues, vote on what temperature you might like the space to be in, um, and then have that have those votes aggregated and have the temperature of the building adjusted on behalf of your group as a collective. Um, then with the, the comfy product that we were, we were talking about on our panel today, um, you could even see what parts of the building are warmer or colder. So instead of running a little heater underneath, or underneath your desk, um, you, could, you could move to a more comfortable spot. So um, literally every transaction uh, within this space, again, another example might be um, thinking about uh, room booking. Um, where historically you maybe uh, booked a room on a piece of paper or maybe an Outlook or other calendar application. Um, and now when you're uh, booking a room through an integrated app, um, there's much more uh, concise uh, what we might call um, background or exhaust data that is coming from those systems um, that is then analyzable to understand what the workplace experience looks like. Very, very useful. So with all of those information sources that are becoming available or that, that we are, have at our disposal now, um, what traditional workplace metrics that have been considered for a long time to be soft versus hard or, or qualitative uh, versus quantitative are, are in use today and changing a bit? Right. 
Well, we still say that it's essential to bring the big data and the little data together. You might have all these ones and zeros of the big data, um, but not really be able to translate it unless you understand uh, what's driving that or what the customer experience is. So we still have um, folks like workplace anthropologists um, who might be observing space or uh, seeing what people's uh, experiences are even heaven forbid talking to the talking to the occupants, um, but now we also have um, this this uh, very large data sets, um, which allow us to get to something as you mentioned, much more like hard metrics, much more um, quanti quantifiable virtu by virtue really of the fact that we have so many more data points. Um, so, for example, thinking back to that uh, that meeting room booking, um, you might be able to cross reference your meeting room booking data with your facilities management uh, data and your ticketing system. Um, and you might be able to start to see reasons why, pe why people do or don't like a certain um, space or why space some spaces are being utilized while others are not. Um, you could even run uh, an app or a piece of your app that has a questionnaire. Uh, did you like your meeting? Did the meeting go well? Um, if, you like, uh, if you like the meeting room on the third floor, you'll love this meeting room on the fourth floor. It's less busy. Why don't you go um, try that out? So that's where it starts to move from the data that we're collecting to really changing the experience dynamically and putting forward um, spatial solutions that might not have been known previously by the occupant. Yeah, so what's what's really exciting from, from my perspective, using technology to bring in formerly kind of segmented data sets to bring in the portfolio data and the data that you're just speaking of about the, the experience in the workplace all into a single place to help our industry make better decisions and be more informed and have that on-demand access to understanding how to be innovative in their workplace is really, I think, what the future uh, of, of the industry is, is requiring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of speaking of the future, um, I noticed one of the questions that was asked uh, in your panel uh, was about how many organizations are actually using big data or AI uh, at the moment. And um, I was a little bit surprised to see that it was 20% or less of the audience. And I think we thought it was a pretty sophisticated audience here uh, in Hong Kong. And I'm wondering, um, you know, what what is what is the future? Uh, is it is it just more adoption uh, of this? Are there other things that are going to be critical to uh, where things go next in terms of any of these categories? Uh, big data, machine learning, artificial intelligence for real estate, et cetera. What's next? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think just the first step that that most organizations and, and groups have to take. Uh, is to, to take the leap and move away from some of the outdated or, or even non-existent management processes they have to get data into a usable format. Uh, we see so many of our colleagues spending um, countless hours trying to get answers to questions that they should just have at their fingertips. So mm -hmm. um, that really weighs down on an organization or, or organizations just don't think it's possible depending on their structure. So really kind of taking that leap and, uh, and focusing on the innovative and disruptive technologies to help us move forward by leaps and bounds just by getting across this first step to understand the basics of what we have, of what we occupy and how we're using it is, is just what's required to have what's next. So, so once we get there, I think we'll see a very quick cycle of innovative technologies coming in to help us do better at our jobs and help make better decisions uh, and not be kind of so encumbered by having uh, limited access to the data we need to make better decisions. Yeah. So, go Sorry, ahead. go ahead. 
so Melissa, just closing back with you, uh, for you, what is the, the future for your, for your workspace? Yeah, so we had a pretty similar discussion on our panel um, and uh, came up with some pretty similar ideas um, work, working off of what you had just said there. Um, one of the panelists said the future is here, so we just need to get on with it and take advantage of that. Um, another panelist uh, indicated that the hardest part is really getting started, um, that the, uh, the focus should really be fail fast um, and to avoid uh, getting stuck on, you know, that, that hump of, of initiation or getting, getting started. Um, and from my perspective, uh, really smart buildings are social buildings. Uh, what makes buildings smart is that people are using them, interacting with them, um, and bringing that human sensibility into the space. Uh, as I mentioned, we really have a golden opportunity of uh, leveraging people data to understand the building experience. And hopefully that is going to bring us uh, buildings that are more health-centric, that are more um, both physically and psychologically uh, beneficial to people. Um, and then finally, um, I've often said that a challenge in relation to artificial intelligence for, for buildings and for workplace is that first we need intelligence. We need to really understand uh, what is desirable and what is the definition of, of good product. Uh, and I think that we are really now in a very um, opportunistic uh, situation where we are finally getting access um, to the kind of data that will help us solve those problems um, and to make consistently better buildings for people. That's great. Yeah, I think we're at a really exciting time in our industry and, uh, and spreading this, this news and sharing it with our, our colleagues and getting their feedback and, and understanding of how we leverage all of these new trends in workplace and in big data and in AI. Uh, I think is an exciting topic that will continue to be relevant for, uh, for many, many years to come. Great. Nice to see you here, Brian. Thanks, Melissa. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.